It's 10 a.m., which means it's time for Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah, good morning. It is Utah Car Sense. Happy Saturday, one and all. May 15. Unbelievable. May 15th. I'm Austin Horton here with uh, Alex Lundberg, Lundy, producing for us today at Vivint Arena. And uh, remotely joining us from a undisclosed location is the general sales manager of the Southtown location of Mark Miller Subaru, Roger Parkin. Roger, do you hear me? Roger, you got me? Uh, Roger says he can't hear anything. Are we on mute uh, on the Zoom? There we go. Hey, Roger. Oh, I can hear you now. <laughs> we, we, uh, How are you? We're new to this Zoom thing. It's only been a year and a half. So. It's only been a year. You know, <laughs> it's still got some bugs to work out. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good to have you on the show. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I got to see you in the flesh, as it were, last week. No, that was nice. It was nice, uh, but I, I'm worried about you. I am. Why? Because every time I see you, you've got a new <laughs> apparatus attached to your body. Oh, I tell you. Hopefully, this one works in time. <laughs> if you've missed the, new... if you've missed the saga of Rogers, he's like half Bionic Man at this point. <laughs> knees and shoulders no. and collarbones and. Achilles. I like to say I'm I'm salvage rebuilt. You know, if our <laughs> car, I'd be in the salvage in the junkyard. But it, but it's not the frame, right? It's it's just that it was. <laughs> that's what you hear. I don't all know. The time. It has frame damage. It's got a little bit of damage all over. It's had a few miles put on dents and dings, and you know, it might be beyond repair. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to be here up until noon each and every Saturday here on the Zone yeah. Sports Network. Phone number today is 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Joseph Dane and the, the good people down there in marketing uh, have offered up a free standard oil change with pickup and drop-off within 20 miles of each store for one lucky caller each week. So 855-340-ZONE, make a comment, share a story, uh, you know, respond to our poll question, You'll be entered into the drawing at the end of the show for that uh, free oil change. So 855-340-ZONE. With that out of the way, Roger, the uh, Do Good, Feel Good event is, is going up and running. On. We're two weeks deep into this thing now. Yes, uh, we are. And the, the idea is that at either location, the, the Midtown or the Southtown, for every new or used car sold, you guys are doing some good with it, aren't you? Yep, we're donating, uh, well, we're donating $75 per car, and our guests get to choose whether it goes to which one of our charities it goes to. We have Summit Land Conservancy uh, Group, Big, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Street Dog Street Dog Crew. Say that fast four times. Yeah, I, I struggled with that one last week. <laughs> that's, that's a tongue twister. I love their logo, though. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. But uh, and Fit to Recover, uh, Children's Gateway or Discovery Gateway Children's Museum and the Malinois Malinois Foundation, and last but not least, Westminster uh, Office of Diversity and Education, which is a very timely one with what's gone on this last year with all the unrest and everything. So, 
fascinating people up there. We had a chance to listen with or have a uh, conversation with the lady that heads it. And well, I tell you what, she could talk for hours and it was fascinating. Hmm. You can also, uh, you know, if you aren't in the market for a new or used car, which a lot of us are, so it's yeah. rare if you wouldn't be, uh, you can go to uh, the Facebook page for Mark Miller Subaru and vote on one of those uh, charity partners. And the three, the top three will get uh, the uh, first place, second place, and third place prize donation. Uh, so you can go and vote that way. I do want to know, I want to learn more about Street Dog Crew of Utah because yes. I was talking uh, with Mike Aguilar last week about this. There's a gentleman that uh, is homeless, and I, I've mm-hmm. over the years I've gotten, I've actually struck up quite the friendship with him. His name's Fred. He stands outside Vivint Arena uh, for during and after events, be it jazz games or other, and he's always got a dog with him that he rescues off the street himself. Uh, and, yep. uh, and I wonder, you know, how, how do these homeless members of our community provide for these homeless pets and a street dog crew of Utah uh, and the like, they provide, you know, pet food, supplies, medical care, uh, for, for the owners, uh, for their dogs in, uh, of, of our homeless community. Exactly. It's a, a really great service that they provide out there for our, our homeless population, homeless pets and help give them a better life than, than they would have otherwise. I mean, it's just, I, you know, it's, it's hard enough taking care of yourself, I would think, being homeless, let alone taking care of a, a pet and making sure they're safe and taken care of and fed and all that good fun stuff. But I tell you, you, you watch these folks that are homeless with, with animals and they have quite the bond. Yep, for you know, sure. It's just there. Uh, do you think you know it just uh, probably brings a lot i would think it brings a lot of joy to their life and companionship so absolutely so neat 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 uh neat service so uh, we'll, get out and do a lot of good we'll tell you a little bit about each uh charity partner today their street dog crew of utah you can visit them at streetdogcrew.org now dog is d-a-w-g yep. street dog crew yeah, you, gotta, you gotta streetify it man you yeah, that's, street right. that's right uh, <laughs> i love their logo they're the it's like a, a some kind of basset hound or beagle uh with, with a, a street beanie on looking real exactly street. i like it all right uh so let's talk uh, about the do good feel good today let's talk about the car industry overall i saw uh, an age-old uh topic that comes up oh, probably every other month or so on the show but i thought it would Invite people to call in and share what they think about it. 855-340-ZONE. There's a list out there of movie cars that aren't real. Cars that were in the movies or TV that you thought were real and they weren't. So we'll get to that if you want to call I'm in. Not and, se- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've not seen I've not seen this list. So we'll share that with you. And yeah. if you want to call in and uh, give your favorite or least favorite car from the TV, from the movies, from comic books, from whatever, 855-340-ZONE. Yeah, I think the what's the most dated car that you see in a movie that is real? <laughs> that you thought was a cool car when that movie came out? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, so take whatever uh, spin you want off that uh, time yeah. to that question. We'd love to hear from you. And everyone that calls in, again, is entered into the drawing at the end of the show for a free oil change, 855-340-ZONE. But, Roger, I wanted to start with you today 
uh, on the shortage that keeps growing, this uh, mm-hmm. microchip shortage that is now, by some reports, expected to cost the auto industry $110 billion this year. That's up from $60 billion was originally, and now it's up to 110 as the projection. What's going on, man? Yeah. Well, what's going on is with – well, here's what they're blaming it on. With the advent of COVID and people staying home and doing – you know, buying more electronic games, more computers, more – you know, to have a pick your electronic, they all share with cars computer chips. And they're all used throughout many industries. And with the uh, explosive growth of people wanting entertainment at home, there's become a massive worldwide chip shortage for car, well, chips, which in turn equates to shortage for chips for cars. So, for example, um, Chrysler shut down their Pacifica plant in Canada. It's been shut down for a month now, and they just extended it two weeks. Or, excuse me, it's been shut down for about three, and they just extended it two more weeks. Subaru had our Indiana plant that builds most of our cars. It builds Legacy Impreza Outback Ascent. Um, was shut down for the last two weeks of April, opened up May 3rd. And we're losing about 48,000, lost about 48,000 units of production with the shutdown of Indiana. And they had Guma in Japan shut down for three, four weeks, hmm. which builds the Forester Crosstrack WRX. So we've had the, the double whammy from both sides of the ocean on this with production. Wasn't there and also not, a fire you know, at one of the uh, semiconductor factories? Wasn't there a fire, I think? Yeah. There's, yeah, one of the big uh, semiconductor factories in Japan had a fire in the middle of all this. So that even exacerbated the problem more. The, the, to give you kind of an idea of the scope of this issue, the average Subaru has 34 chips in it. Wow. See, So you multiply that amongst how many cars we build. It's, it's pretty ugly. See, I, I thought, you know, I wasn't under the impression that cars only had a chip and they'd be back on the right, you know, the, the things we deal with today and the technology we use. But there is a, uh, there's up to 1,400 chips in a typical vehicle today, says Dan mm-hmm. Hirsch of Alex Partners Automotive Industrial Practice. 1,400 chips in a typical vehicle today. So a Subaru with 34, that sounds like a lot until you hear it can have up to 1,400. I don't I know. I wonder what when it has 1,400 in it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's got to be like, uh, like some kind wow. of a semi truck or something, right? I don't some I, kind of high. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if technology's kept up in the semis like it has with cars or not. I know some of it has transferred over. Hmm. But yeah, I'm just trying to think what car would have fourteen hundred chip that's ha- has to have a maybe a Tesla. I don't think Tesla's really struggling from this though. I mean they've got chips in there, but let's see. They might be one of the few that's not being really affected by this. But I mean Ford has tens of thousands of F one fifties parked in a racetrack parking lot waiting for chips so they can finish them. Wow. And, and GM Chev decided to leave a couple of chips out of their trucks in order to build them that helped increase fuel mileage on them there for a while. So this is an industry-wide, this is a worldwide issue. And if you've driven by car lots lately, it's new cars are getting in very thin supply. I think I had 47 on the ground this morning. We usually have 200. 
And so the selection is getting slimmer and slimmer. If you see a car, not just here, and it's not a sales pitch, if you see a car you like and it's available, you probably ought to buy it because odds are it won't be there tomorrow. Yeah, that, that it's been pretty wild. That old sales trick, not that you guys do this, but from uh, from the industry overall of, well, if you leave now, I can't promise this will be here later. That's true. Absolutely. These oh, days. 100% yeah. true. I mean, three weeks ago, we had two families in looking at a sense on Friday night. Well, we're going to go home and think about it. They showed up about 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Unfortunately, two other people showed up after they were, one was after they were here Friday night, one was here earlier Saturday morning, ended up buying those vehicles and they were gone. So we just, we ordered them. We're ordering, we're doing a lot of sold orders. So when a transport comes in, it's like Christmas rounds here. Because most of the cars, you get about nine cars per transport load, and most of them are pre-sold. Yep. And so it's going to be a little while before we get back to normal inventory levels. Probably, I don't know if we'll see it until late summer, early fall, we hope. This, uh, this guy I uh, quoted a moment ago, Dan Hirsch of Alex Partners, says it's his <clears throat> belief and his projection that by quarter three, there will be enough chips to get everybody back up and running for the most part. And in quarter four, we should get humming again. And then next year, get back to normal, hopefully. But that's that's actually sounding pretty well, optimistic. That's pretty optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much information out there that is so conflicting. It's hard to say what's true. You know, just going by what Subaru was saying in the last couple of meetings we've had with them. We're realistic, realistically looking sometime August, September. So no, they have pushed back the launch of the new Wilderness Outback, Wilderness Forester because of this, just because there's lack of supply of chips. So they're going to push those back a month or so. But we're hoping. We're hoping for the best. We're preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. How's that? Yeah. Now, now how about Stellantis, which is the new name for Fiat Chrysler, uh, since they merged with some French company I can't remember the name of. But their CEO, Carlos Tavares says that uh, they're looking into ways to, quote, be repaid by suppliers for the parts problem, close quote. Is, is that, yeah, and is I, this a supplier's problem? I don't problem? know. Ah. And, and here's, here's what we all don't know. And this is a question we were talking about in sales meeting this morning before I came on the show. You would think that a manufacturer of anything would have a contract locked in for X thousands or millions or whatever they need for their cars right yeah so based on what's going on i don't know they've got it locked in that way because if they did you know for example if Subaru had a hundred percent of it locked in for the year we wouldn't be in this issue you wouldn't think so yeah. i think it's a pretty fluid i think they probably go out and do them in batches of how many however many millions of chips they need and kind of do it that way, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. I haven't been able to find any hard data on it. I uh, I was reading an article at Bloomberg uh, where they interviewed uh, uh, Mike Hogan, who's the head of automotive at Global Foundries, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, chip makers in the world with plants here mm -hmm. in Europe, Asia. And since autos consume uh, only 10% of global chip production, uh, they wanted to wow. interview this guy and ask him, well, what, what's the problem here? And he actually, he's getting a little blowback for his uh, blunt and candid approach to what he's saying. So he's way too candid for everybody, huh? Yeah, which I actually really appreciate. Uh, but he says, mm -hmm. 
uh, to paraphrase, he says that the problem uh, is one that, you know, you can't fix today or tomorrow, but it will be fixed eventually. It will happen again and again and again and again and again, though, he says, if the auto industry does not figure out a way to, as he said, quote, approach it from an architectural viewpoint, close quote. And what he means by that is that cell phone companies, computer companies, what they do is they form what they want the chip to be like, how they want it to be produced, and then they turn it over to companies like uh, Global Foundry, and then they just make it how they're told to and the mm-hmm. amount they're told to, and they're pay- prepaid for. And so oh, all wow. these all these cell phone companies and computer companies have all of these chips on hold in this in these uh, manufacturers warehouses for eventual use. They've paid for them, they've manufactured them. It's essentially like they're uh, renting or leasing the, mm-hmm. the global foundry's uh, talents to build these things how they want it. He's saying unless the automotive industry goes the same route, it this problem's going to pop up again and again and again because the auto industry only takes up 10% of the global chip production and B uh, is taking the backseat to all these other companies who are prepaying for all these chips. Like the iPhone 15, the chip is already made for it. it it's already been designed. Oh, it's you. already been produced. It's already been paid for. That's nine years, what, four or five years from now still. And it's already on hold at these companies. His, his idea is wow. that the car industry has to go the same route. Um, based on what's going on right now, I didn't realize the car in- industry was just that little bit of, I thought it was a little more of the uh, chip production, but that makes sense. And that kind of answers our question. They're not locking stuff up early. Yeah. So it he, makes sense why this is happening then based he, on that. He calls it. That is a really uh, blunt, honest, in your face. Uh, it is. Reality check. In fact, in fact, I do want to, where did it say he, he actually, I wanted to read you. The exact quote where I went, oh, wow, that's that's why he's getting some some blowback. Oh, he said, you can't do this buy-off-the-shelf consumership. If you can't build a $50,000 car and ship it and put all those people to work because you don't have $15 worth of semiconductors, I think it's time to <laughs> shift and say, no, we're the auto market. We have unique needs. We need an architectural approach. You can't have the you need to have the real conversation ahead of time versus hey you don't know me but I'm out of chips and it's your fault buddy close quote <laughs> wow <laughs> so he went right after the auto industry and said look we get we know you're in a bad way but it's kind of your lack of foresight I guess is what he's saying I don't know well I think that I think that's a fair statement based on what we're seeing mm-hmm. I mean they've they've known this. They've been talking about chip shortage affecting production now for five months. Yeah. You know, whispers of it. Yeah. Four months. But that explains that's a good insight into the chip industry and why the auto industry is hurting so bad. Yeah. Because there's certainly not a shortage of computers, cell phones, iPad, you know, all those things. They seem to get them all out. Yeah, they don't. Well, that makes sense. And that's why. I had no idea. that. But And that's also... I didn't either. It's kind of frustrating, too, uh, to hear that the phone that is going to cost $2,000 four years from now could be released today. Uh, but that's business, I guess. Yeah, well, look at the car industry. Take it away from that. Look at the car industry. When they design a car, it's a five-year... Historically, most cars are five years life cycle. 
They know how they're going to release it. They know what upgrades they're going to make mid-cycle, generally three years, sometimes two and a half. If, if something desperately needs to be upgraded, they'll do it at two and a half. And they know they already start designing the replacement car for it that day because it takes a long time to get tooled up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a tremendous lead time on these products. And I don't, you know, phones and all the computers and stuff. I mean, I've always said that the phone or computer you buy today is obsolete tonight, the second it comes off the shelf. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> Obviously. That's, uh, that's, yep. it, we, I used to kind of raise an eyebrow and go, well, maybe not that soon, but no, it's, it is that soon. Oh, it's yeah. that soon. As soon as you bring it off the shelf, because they're already working on the next greatest best thing. Yep. So. Well, the the good news for the uh, car owner out there, Roger, is that with the low supply and high demand, a car that you may have had appraised a year ago might be worth more a year later today than it was last. You year. know, it's been it's been really interesting. I've been in this industry thirty years, and I've seen a lot of cycles, and this is the first time I have ever seen values of cars go up <laughs> yeah known for so, their I mean, depreciating value a commodity oh the, the car. Yeah, so, yeah so you you look you look back to the financial crisis of 08 when gas went to four bucks a gallon if you we took in truck after truck you know full-size truck on trade because of the laws of gas mileage mm. the bids we get on those were good for 24 hours they would change <laughs> thousands overnight down wow now we're not seeing the thousands up but i would say the average car that we appraised, you know, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, we're giving anywhere from another seven to fifteen hundred dollars more for it because of what the market is doing right now. Wow. This is the first time I've ever seen book values go up instead of down. In your thirty years? In thirty years, wow. it, this this market is very inverted right now. So, if you want to trade in a car, now is the time. What's it should be great news. For those who might be upside down in their cars uh, yeah, right now. Yeah, we, we bought a uh, car off the street the other day uh, off of the lease, and they had $2,500 equity. Wow. And that doesn't always happen. You know, there's just certain cars that have more demand for them. Yeah. And, and a little less availability. But it's a, it's a very interesting market right now. It's, it's fascinating to watch. It, it's truly the free market supply and demand at work here. And you guys have always been uh, okay to just buy someone's car and not have them buy from you, oh, but especially absolutely. so these days, right? Absolutely. So you don't have yeah, to feel you know, like you, you got to trade in. You can just walk away with some cash. Exactly. Yeah. You look at the used car market, you look at the auctions right now. Uh, a lot of where a lot of cars that go across the auction blocker from rental rental companies, right? And during the COVID, they all liquidated a good chunk of their inventory. So that those, those cars have been absorbed without a blip on the market already. Hmm. And you look at rental prices. I was reading an article the other day. To rent a car, some, I don't know what car, which, which uh, rental agency it is or company is in Hawaii, $722 a day oh, for a car. <laughs> How much? $200? $722. <laughs> No, people are who's paying tourists that? are ready to U-Hauls. Oh my gosh. They're ready to U-Hauls to drive because they're cheaper. Oh no, don't do that. Please. <laughs> we don't need more people unqualified to drive trucks around here. Or anywhere. So in Hawaii or anywhere. There. Well yeah, that's it's, that's true because it, the 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 
the rental car company, which it's ridiculous everywhere, but 700 in Hawaii, they they got a little ahead of themselves, I think. They sold off well, all that they, they had, had and now they are way down in in supply, and the demand is way high because people are getting vaccinated and more than ever excited yeah. to actually travel and spend money and go places. Oh. Yeah, you, you, you look at uh, RV sales right now. I mean, for the last year and a half, they've been through the roof. And they're suffering. You know, they, they don't suffer so much from the chip shortage because, honestly, <laughs> you get the chassis from the manufacturer. And, you know, I'm sure there's there's some chip shortage there. But um, they're they're suffering from not having enough workers to build, you know, fulfill the orders. Yeah. I, uh, Which is just nuts. I was talking with a, a gentleman who's of the uh, more experienced age group, we'll say, recently. And he's planning mm -hmm. a trip uh, this summer uh, to the East Coast. And he was asking me for some help, or I, I guess I kind of volunteered to help him look into... He actually had heard on this show your rental car uh, uh, program there at Mark Miller yeah. Subaru where you can rent a car for, for mm -hmm. whatever and take it for a couple of days or just a few hours or whatever you want to do to see if you like it or take it up the mountain or, or whatever. Uh, and he said, do you think that they know anyone out there on the East Coast that runs a similar program? And I said, I don't know. I'll, I'll run it by them. But in the meantime, let's look at what the prices are for a rental car. And, oh, my gosh, it's it's not worth it. So then I'm trying to teach him and train him on – uh, 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 Ubo, not Ubo, uh, uh, Uber, excuse me, Uber, <laughs> Lyft, and Turo. That's where I got the, the Uro in there. Uh, so Uber and Lyft, the ride share program, the Turo, which is a car share peer to peer yeah. program. And we're looking at that, and it's like it is cheaper, but it is also still inflated itself. And so he's like, Oh my gosh, I suddenly don't know if I can afford this vacation simply because. I won't be able to get around anywhere. That's how crazy it is right now. And and you know you're seeing these old these uh oh, I almost said the word these more experienced uh, people in our society who aren't as versed in ride sharing technologies and they they're mm -hmm. getting used to it. They're getting more into it because they can't afford, as you said, seven hundred dollars a day for a rental car in Maui. Oh yeah, it's it's totally ridiculous. I mean. Yeah, you know, talk about a racket. And again, you're back to supply and demand because the the rental companies are suffering from the same thing the dealers are suffering from, which is they cannot buy cars from the manufacturer because they're not being built. Mm. There's no cars out there on the used car market. They're going out there to try and buy those, put them in rental service. So it's just, it's an ugly cycle right now. It, it is, it's fun and exciting, but it's definitely interesting. <laughs> I saw I, I saw a little blip where uh, a rental, I think it was dollar rental, I can't remember, uh, in Topeka, of all places, was calling up people who had bought cars from them last year to see if they could buy them back from them at, at a higher price than they paid last year. Oh, I don't year. blame them. Because <laughs> they just are them. out it's of just... cars in Topeka. That's uh, yep. how, how high is the demand in Topeka? But Speaking of, uh, here's the top uh, increased demand or hottest rental destinations in descending order in the um, in United States. Actually, Orlando, Florida is number one. Followed, it's been that way for a long time. Which makes sense with uh, Disney World, and it, Disney World has been open for some time now uh, compared to other parks. But then I was surprised that in second is Denver, 
Denver is second in highest demand for rental cars. And then the next three make sense. Vegas, Honolulu, and Maui. Mm -hmm. The next one is Anchorage, Alaska. Now, that one is a trick one because it's, it's you know, per capita. It's not, you know, the, the demand is always, the supply is always low up there. The demand isn't always this quite this high, though, is, is what I'm saying. So that, you'll always find supply low in Anchorage. You won't find demand yep. that overmatches the supply, though. Then Miami, L.A., Seattle, and Phoenix. Those are your hottest wow. rental destinations right now, according to Yahoo Money. Yeah, so I just did a quick search on a, almost a rental company here in Salt Lake. A mid-side SUV is one twenty a day. An economy car is eighty-two dollars a day. Mm. Something like a Jetta is ninety eighty-eight bucks a day. And and two years ago, those were five dollars a day. Those economy cars. Oh yeah, ten, they're twenty bucks a day. You could go rent a car for it. Was cheap. <laughs> so your best so, advice, Roger, for someone who uh, is traveling and needs a, a way to get around, I oof. guess it's public transportation or bust. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of it depends on where you're going. I mean, we go back to D the D.C. area a lot. You know, if you can get down to the metro, I mean, D.C. is pretty walkable, pretty transit-friendly. And you know, But to get other places on the East Coast, I mean, there's some wide-open spaces. you got to be able to drive. I would shudder to think what it's costing to rent a rental car right now. It's nuts. Yeah. In fact, that's uh, one of the places this gentleman I was talking with is, is headed is D.C., uh, but before yeah. he before he gets there, he's going to I think uh, Williamsburg, and that's mm -hmm. a bit of that's what an hour and a half, two hours outside of DC. Yeah, that's probably a couple hours out. Yeah, and so he's got to find a way around Williamsburg before once he gets into DC. I think he'll be fine with the the well, subway. The, the challenge stuff. with having a car, you know, having a car back east is parking it. True. So I know we were, we went to Philadelphia several years ago and had a rental car. It was an additional 50 bucks a night to park it at the hotel. Mm. And DC, your average parking in the, in the, that I've paid back, there's been 10 bucks an hour in a parking structure. Cool. You know, if you can find a parking spot. Right. It's nuts. <laughs> so, well, th this, who knows? this segment was full of uh, not so bright and shiny news, but that's what's happening in the auto industry right now. It's the high, it's, high yeah. demand, low supply, chip shortages, and uh, we'll get through it. It'll, it'll work out. But right now, if you've got that itch to turn in your car and sell it, do it because you'll, you'll never get more for your used vehicle right now. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Before we break, Roger, it is the Do Good Feel Good event now through the end yes. of May. Every new and used car purchased at either Mark Miller Subaru location, Southtown or Midtown, gets $75 donated to a charity of the buyer's choice. And you can choose of our charity from, partners, yes. of your charity partners. You can choose from uh, a bunch that you've got there. I wanted to talk about uh, a couple of them each segment. We talked about Street Dog Crew of Utah. To mm -hmm. close the segment, let's let's focus on Summit Land Conservancy because this is new to me as well, uh, and well, it, it's all about protecting uh, local landscapes, right? It's all about protecting open space up in the Summit County area. Um, I don't know if you've driven to Park City, Deer Valley area, Jordanelle. Uh, what used to be open farmland and cattle grazing is quickly becoming all homes and 
and they're dedicated to trying to preserve some of that open space for future generations. So it's a really neat cause. It's looking forward, you know, to not so much for us, but for those that we come behind us. And they're trying to help make it happen so that we have open space. Yeah, I saw recently that they've been trying to uh, preserve the old monk monastery land up in Huntsville mm-hmm. from being developed. Uh, yep. That would be, that would be stuff like that. That's, that's too bad. I, I understand we need places for people to live and we need that, but it's too bad when you lose a piece of history, like a, like a monastery and the land, more importantly, not just the buildings that are up there, but the land that they farmed. You don't want to, you know, yeah. you don't want to lose all that open space to, you don't want to lose all the open space we have. I guess I'm saying Correct. I'm realistic. We got to use some of it for, for housing, but it doesn't all have to be. We don't want to turn into the Lorax uh, where we're standing <laughs> with one tree amid a concrete jungle, right? Well, yeah, look at, look at New York City. I mean, fortunately, they had the foresight to set aside Central Park, which is huge. But there's not a lot of green area in, in the city. You know, it takes a lot of foresight to think, oh, we might want to keep this. And we, you know, I know we're thankful we have it now. And it's the same thing going on here. We're just a hundred years behind it, hmm. you know, because we finally, our population is booming and we are the number one state in the nation for people moving in from out of state. It's pretty crazy. Well, it feels good to do good. It's the 13th annual do good, feel good event. Now through the end of May at either Mark Miller Subaru location coming up on the other side, yep. we'll get your phone calls in eight, five, five, three, four, oh, zone eight, five, five, three, four, oh, zone. We're talking about, uh, Movies or car movies, TV cars. What did I say? Yeah, movies with cars. Yeah, TV cars. Uh, because, and I'll share some of the list on the other side 10 cars from the TV or movies that weren't real that you thought were real. Uh, so uh, let <laughs> us know 855 340 zone or call in with any other question, comment, or story. Everyone that calls in today is entered for a free oil change. Coming up next, more Utah Car Sense here on the zone. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Utah Car Sense. I'm Austin Horton. He's Roger Parkin in today, general sales manager for the Southtown location. I was uh, happy to be down there in person last week. We'll be back here in a couple weeks. So why? It's because it's the Do Good, Feel Good event, the 13th annual yeah. uh, Do Good, Feel Good event. Every new or used car sold at either location now through the end of May, $75 donated to a Love Promise local charity of choice uh, there at either location. Roger, I want to talk about a couple of these each segment. So we'll start this segment by talking about another of your Love Promise charity partners, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Utah. I think a lot of people are well, familiar with the name, maybe not quite as familiar with all that they do for our community at Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yeah, they, they uh, can you hear me? Yes, we got you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> they pair, you know, boys and girls with a basically Big Brother, Big Sister to give them a, uh, you know, an adult figure in their life that 
takes them out and does things with them, mentors them. They've been around forever and ever. I can remember big brothers, big sisters for as long as I can remember. Yeah, for sure. But they do just a awesome job. There's a lot of, a lot of single parents out there. A lot of kids in need of a little extra attention out there. So they do help with that and do a wonderful job for us. Uh, I had a, a girlfriend in high school who would spend a lot of her free time at uh, a, a big brothers, big sisters as a mentor. And I had my eyes open to just how uh, impactful it is to have, Oh yeah, uh, especially for, as you mentioned, either, you know, single parent homes or double parent homes that are constantly having to be at work to keep uh, food on the table and a house over your head, a roof over your head. But these kids still need uh, interaction outside of Xbox and outside of uh, mm-hmm. Looney Tunes. And so they go to these or programs. Or just walking around, walking around and causing problems. Yes, or, or getting mentors from the wrong uh, influences. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. so they, they go to the these uh, after school or whatever places of big brothers and big sisters. They get partnered, not just with some random person, but they, they match with uh, with volunteers based on likes and interests and backgrounds. And they, then you go and do stuff with them and, and help them learn and grow. I know that uh, Donovan Mitchell spent a lot of his time growing up at big brothers and big sisters. Uh, not just because, I you know, know that. and he came from affluence, but his mom mm-hmm. worked and his dad, I believe, was I believe it was a single parent home. But his dad was still involved and and, you know, took care of the family financially. But his mom did work, was an educator, and he'd come home and need somewhere to go. And she didn't want him to get wrapped up in the wrong stuff. So he'd go to the big brothers, big sisters. In fact, when LeBron James made his announcement to leave Cleveland for Miami, and he did so mm-hmm. from a Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, club, Donovan Mitchell was on hand uh, in that really? Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, crowd <laughs> uh, there in Connecticut. So uh, it's a it's a it's a worthy cause. You can find it in over 668 uh, communities in our country, uh, but especially Big Brothers Big Sisters of Utah worthy of your choice if you do buy a new or used car from mark miller this month they'll donate 75 dollars to a love yep. promise charity of your choice and it could be big brothers big sisters of utah pretty cool yeah that's that's one of the uh, looking at our boxes where people put their cards in to choose that's that's one of the more popular ones you know it's it's animals and, and kids yeah, are what I love it. Keep, get people going the most so we appreciate it. We'll talk about the, the Malinois Foundation here in a moment, speaking of animals. But uh, our yes. phone lines are are open, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. There's a list of movie cars that were totally fake and no one knew it uh, that I wanted to get to. And so if you'd like to be part of the show, you can call in and ask or talk about anything. But our poll question is, what comes to mind when you think of movies and cars, TV and cars, pop culture and cars? 855-340-ZONE. And Roger, everyone that calls in today and makes a comment or shares a story is entered into our drawing for an oil change. Here, I'll give exactly. you a couple I'll give you a couple off uh, this list. Number 10. I never I never watched this show. I wonder if you did you ever see the show Nash Bridges? Not, I think I watched maybe one or two episodes of that. That was with Don Johnson, if memory serves me right. Yeah, past his time of uh, of Miami Vice. Uh, popularity, yeah. yeah. After Miami Vice, yeah. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, did you ever see Knives Out? Yes. He was in that. He was great. He was great. But he played great Nash show. Bridges in the show. Nash Bridges, of course. Well, he drove this bright yellow Ferrari. Uh, or, or, or excuse me, uh, not Ferrari. That was he drove a Ferrari in Miami. That was Miami Vice. Yeah. <laughs> he drove he drove a, a Hemi Cuda convertible, uh-huh. bright yellow. Uh, that doesn't uh, exist. Well, it's a newer one. It says it, while its striking color and beautiful bodywork made the exterior look perfect, underneath its hood, the truth about the car is seen as this Cuda was not really a rare '71 Hemi V8 powered car but a 1970 340 V8 model that had bodywork done and the shaker hood added to make it look like a Cuda. <laughs> so they couldn't get their hands on a Cuda, so they had to make one out of a, an old uh, 70, 70 340. Pretty cool. Wow. Okay, what's number nine? Uh, number nine on the list is Ferris Bueller's Ferrari 250 GT. Really? Now that's a real car, right? But the one they used in the movie was not a 250 GT. It was actually uh, it was uh, the Ferrari used by Ferris and his friends was a kit car replica that, while looking good, <laughs> still had telltale signs of its actual provenance for those who knew what to look for. So it was it was like a essentially a model, uh, a model uh, car from yeah. a kit. Uh, to look like a 250 GT. So well, that probably saved them a few hundred thousand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that fit into the budget of the, uh, the studio for sure. 855-340-ZONE. We'll get you right on if you call in 855-340-ZONE. We had a caller. We just lost him. So give us a call back. 855-340-ZONE. We'll go through that list throughout the show today. But while we're on the topic of cars and pop culture and movie stars... Mm-hmm. The list of the most seen car ads so far this year has come out. Okay. This from Ward's Auto. Uh, and I was surprised to see who was second on the list. I was not surprised to see who was first on the list because I watched a lot of the March Madness that was. Uh, mm-hmm. And this car, this, this car company advertised on every break. And that was the Nissan ads featuring actress Brie Larson. Uh, she was she was seen and has been seen the most out of uh, on national broadcast really? and cable TV airings. Nissan ads featuring Brie Larson. Hmm. Also, interestingly enough, uh, not only has she been seen the uh, that commercial been seen the most, but when you go to the uh, likability and consumer desire r- rankings, she's also top there. So she's not only been seen the most, but is liked the most of all the car commercials this year. Interesting. Do you, are you familiar with those commercials that she's I have in? not seen that commercial. I have not watched a lot of national TV at all this yeah. last little bit. Uh, the second place. I try to avoid commercials. What can I say? <laughs> a se- the second place uh, uh, when it comes to attention, likability, and consumer desire goes to the 2021 Subaru Crosstrek. Uh, it shows a rainstorm that comes upon mm-hmm. a brother and sister who are on their way to a wedding. They encounter yep. a washed-out oh, road. Uh, along the alternative route, they discover a, a lost cat, which they stop to yep. save. Uh, and, and per Ace Matrix, this spot scored above the auto industry average for likability and product relevance. And the number three spot, to wrap this up, Roger, also Subaru, 
starring the Barkley Dog family, driving their oh, Forester yeah. on a highway when they encounter a big truck. Also with another <laughs> canine at the wheel, the puppy in the back asks for the universal sign to make a honk, and the truck driver, canine truck driver, uh, obliges. So there yeah, you go. Those I, are the top three so far. Yeah, there's there's been some really good, great commercials. It's nice to see the evolution of them all. You know, it's... Uh, I do. I love the Barkley commercials yeah. up from Subaru. Hey, we've got our caller back. 855-340-ZONE. Kyle is nice enough to call in this morning. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Good morning. Morning, Kyle. How's it going? We're great. What's great. going on, buddy? I just got a, a quick story about my my Subaru Forester XT. That's my wife's. Okay. So quick, quick story, and then I have a question about uh, CVT transmission. Mm. Okay. So we, I took the Forester... Uh, into a, a jiffy loop to get an oil change. Picked up the car, drove away, and I heard metal grinding. Oh, no. Really, really bad. Right when I left the parking lot. Turned around, went back. They said, oh, we must have not put enough oil in it. We'll check it out. They check it out. I get the car, same thing. I drive it away. I get, you know, 100 yards down the road, and it's grinding. Take it back. Long story short, they drained the transmission fluid oh. instead of draining the oil. Oh, my gosh. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a fun experience. Had it towed to Mark Miller's Subaru in, in Sandy, and long story short, had to buy a, a new transmission. Um, luckily, luckily, Mark Miller took care of us, and they said, you know, you're, you're lucky. It looks like, looks like something was dripping from the transmission for a while, so... It's under warranty, so we'll we'll cover it. But if they hadn't, then then Jiffy Lube would have paid ten grand for a new transmission. So yeah, fun that's story. A, that's I'm a seven to ten thousand dollar mistake. Again. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? And that's and that's that's my that's my question. Is I was surprised at how expensive CVT transmissions are. Love the car, love the turbo. It's a you know it's a quick Forester for sure. But what? What makes the CVT transmission so expensive, and are they really that hard to to work on that they would screw it up that bad? Well, draining the oil out of it and letting you drive with it—that's what screwed it up. But um, transmissions have gotten progressively more expensive because of all the technology. You know, I mean, you have take it away from the CVT, you go to Ford—they've got ten-speed, eight and ten-speed transmissions. So it takes, they're more complicated, harder to work on, more expensive. But CVTs are about seven to 10,000, depending on which car we're talking about. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. Everything's more expensive than it should be, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But I don't think it's yeah, any would... more out of line than most transmissions anymore. Gotcha. I was just a, l- a little surprised. I, you know, I hadn't run into transmission issues like that. I always figured they were, you know, anywhere in the three to 5,000 range, but. I was a little surprised to see that it was seven to seven to ten. Love the car, but I'm worried down the road if we have to replace another transmission. Are they CVTs as reliable as normal transmissions? They seem to be as or more reliable um, than normal, you know, than the old automatics. So mm-hmm. they're certainly more efficient, which is why pretty much every car manufacturer has gone to those in their cars to get better gas mileage. You have the, you know. An infinite number of gear ratios in them, although they have programmed in shift points to them now, because consumers like to fill the transmission shift. 
but uh, they're, they're certainly as reliable, if not more than any normal transmission. I know the gotcha. last transmission I had rebuilt back in, this back in the early 80s, I had a uh, Mustang I had transmission rebuilt, cost me two grand back then, so. Wow. It's just, it's just not something we deal with very commonly anymore. You don't see a lot of, what was it, Amco and, and Tanner transmission are the big ones around town. There's, it's just not, you, there's need for them. You just don't see it very often outside of, you know, the older cars. But gotcha. boy, to, well, to funny, mistake funny the transmission story. drain plug for the oil drain plug is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was quite a, quite a bad experience. And I'm just grateful that Mark Miller took care of us. And if not, then Jiffy Loop would have been paying the bill for 10 grand. So long story mm -hmm. short, we only get our oil changes at, uh, Subaru dealership now and well, thank haven't you. had any issues. We appreciate, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate it. It's certainly no more, no more expensive to change oil here than it is at Jiffy Loop. Yep, for sure. Right. We're, we're very competitive, so. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for listening and calling in. Appreciate Sorry it, that Kyle. happened to you. And now Kyle has entered, speaking of oil changes, into for the drawing free oil change. for a free oil change. <laughs> so that's that's uh, good for him. Now we've got an, our second caller, Paul, is next up. Hey, good Paul. morning, Paul. Yeah, this is a little bit of a different experience, but it's during the pandemic. Pandemic. My daughter does a lot of flying, and and she usually sometimes she'll fly home because it's cheaper than driving. And she lives in Las Vegas. So the other day we put her there, picked her up, took her home, and then on the way going back, we put her on the airplane. And while she was checking in, this uh, lady came up and said, "My daughter, you're." She looked at her and said, "You're sick because you're coughing." Well, my daughter says, no, I'm an asthmatic. And no, I ain't going to fly with you because you're sick. And so the flight attendant did then. She said, the temperature's normal. There's nothing wrong. She said, well, I ain't going to fly with him. No, I ain't going to fly. And the, and the lady says, well, madam, we'll find you another plane then if that's your percent. Well, I ain't going to fly with her. She says, I'm sorry. We can't do anything about it. But she's normal until she flies. My daughter pulled out her card and said, I've had my shots, and I've had, but I'm an asthmatic, and I cough a lot. Finally, this uh, lady walked over to her husband. This is a cute big grass. He says, lady, my wife, sit down and shut up, and we'll talk about it when we get home. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the pandemic's brought out the best and worst in people. Yep, for sure. Sorry that happened uh, to you yeah. and your family, Paul. That's... That's too bad. Uh, you know, uh, from a pop culture uh, reference, Roger, I'm starting to get back into normal a little bit. I'm starting to yep. get a little more comfortable. And and uh, I was talking to Gordon Monson and Jake Scott earlier this week. I actually, I was a big time germaphobe before the pandemic, and now, <laughs> but now coming out of it, I actually feel like I'm a lot more relaxed uh, yeah. and not as not as fearful regarding that sort of thing. But I think it will be a pop culture reference, be it in TV, comedy, oh, yeah. whatever, for a long time. You're going to get those jokes or those uh, mentions of coughing in public and how everyone kind of turns and looks and goes, about it. oh, what does that person have? Oh, I exactly. hope I'm not sitting next to them. And I myself, being asthmatic, I cough from time to time. And yeah. as long as someone, you know, if someone's coughing and they're covering their <laughs> mouth, just even if they're not, you probably shouldn't say anything. But if they are, you definitely shouldn't say anything. Just yeah. just chill. You're all right. And if you're on a plane with someone who is coughing, you've got to understand that they got on that plane 
Not just they didn't just walk off from a taxi onto that airplane. They've gone through screenings and tests, and they've signed their third child off to the airline to say they're not sick. So rest uh, on that laurel, knowing that it's very unlikely that they're co- they're coughing with COVID. Well, I'll tell you, I've flown you know back east and back during the pandemic. I've never had better flights. <laughs> it was the best best experience I've ever had on a plane. <laughs> Is been flying during the pandemic. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting with the CDC dropping, if you've been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. In most situations, unless the business asks you to, or they're still requiring it on planes and mass transit and stuff. But other than that, so we're on our way back to some sense of normalcy, hmm. which is really exciting. Thank goodness. I, I cannot. I we, we just heard that they're going to be allowing 13,000 fans in the awesome. arena. Uh, that is awesome. And I, I believe a source that I was talking to that said they had a, they had petitioned uh, to have a full house. And one side of things said, yeah, go for it. And the other side of things that may or may not be the league said, nah, no, no, no. So I think that we're close. I think we're there and it's exciting. And that doesn't mean that we all just let our complete guard down, but you know, do what you're supposed to do, and we'll get. We'll we're there. We're almost there. We yep. can do. I know. It. Starting Monday here in the dealerships, if you've been fully vaccinated, we do not have to mask up unless a guest asks us to. And awesome. know, if our guests have been vaccinated, which is obviously on the honor system, they don't have to wear masks. So so cool. And look, if you yeah, do choose so to, exciting. if you choose to still mask up, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be mad oh. at you. What is that? Doesn't no, bother me. No. Not at all. I mean, it doesn't bother me a bit to be masked up anymore. It's the, it's the new normal. Hey, uh, before we break, uh, let's talk about the Malinois Foundation, one of my yes. favorite, favorite nonprofits. Uh, and I'm so glad that you guys and Subaru works with them each and every year. What can you tell us, Roger, about the Malinois Foundation? Well, we've helped them provide um, six dogs to veterans. These are companion dogs. For those that are suffering from being at war, but the thing that you don't think about is how expensive it is to train these service animals. It's twenty thousand dollars a dog. Oh my gosh! To train them, to get them prepared, to get them exposed and comfortable in every situation. You talk about some neat, neat animal, you know, animals. They're pets, but they're not pets. I mean, they're working members of the family. They are some of the most well-behaved animals you'll ever be around but they they help people out they help calm them they help you know give them that companionship that they need and it's life-changing for these veterans i you know i fortunately thank god i've never had to go to war but mm. know quite a few people that have and that's a life-changing experience and for some more than others but uh it's really a neat service provided by them uh training these dogs to be companions and service animals for them I saw an interview, I think two years ago, with one of these uh, people who was placed with a Malinois-donated uh, animal from Mark Miller Subaru uh, and mm-hmm. from, from your customers, and they were interview- being interviewed on the news about it, and while talking about their PTSD, the dog sensed yep. a, a raisin heart rate uh, and, and some kind of scent that was emanating from their pores and knew that this uh, owner, this veteran, was about to have an episode, 
and got up off the floor, came over, laid their head on their lap into, and put their paw up on their knee. And it was just amazing for me to witness that and see. And she said, this dog knows that I'm about to have an episode. It's, it's literally saved That's my life. She said it saved her life. And wow. I, I can't believe that, that or I can't uh, understate that enough, that the Malinois Foundation saves lives. But Absolutely. the cost, like you said, associated with these service dogs is, is, is incredible. So to have those donated to uh, members of our society who have given all they have for us and the world in their service as a veteran, that's a very worthy cause. So Absolutely. The 13th Annual Do Good, Feel Good event now through the end of May. Buy a new or used car at either Mark Miller lo- uh, Subaru location. And $75 will be donated to one of the Love Promise charity partners of your choosing there, uh, including the Malinois Foundation, if you so like. Yeah, this is uh, this and the Share the Love that Subaru does nationally. But for us locally, Jeff started this 12 years ago, the Do Good, Feel Good. Yeah, we're in the 13th it's year, yeah. 13th year, yeah. It just I was just counting out last year because we, had to, we couldn't do it last year, but yeah. It's probably my all-time favorite event that we do. That we, uh, you know, we also give away a you know three-year lease on a, a car to a lucky winner, and yeah, hopefully we're going to be able to gather this year and actually celebrate this. Not have to do it virtually, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. As COVID, COVID is backing off a bit, so yeah, we're way excited to be back to some sense of normalcy with this. So let's come down, buy a car, do good, and feel good. He's Roger Parkin, General Sales Manager of the Southtown location. I'm Austin Horton. We'll be back with Hour 2 on the other side. Get back into the movie cars you didn't know were fake. Also, uh, we need to talk about this uh, gasoline shortage and what we think is going to happen with that. Have you seen the pictures out of Florida? I haven't. Well, talk about a Hummer in Florida. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right, coming up next. It's so bad. (laughs) More Utah car sense here on The Zone.